BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Please don't sue us, 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. It's bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky Show. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. And uh, we have a special conversation with two of the most knowledgeable people I know about movies uh, in the world. And so I'm going to allow uh, each of these knowledgeable people to introduce themselves, say who they are, uh, and uh, maybe uh, quote a great line from a movie if they can think of one. So we'll start with this gentleman right here. Introduce yourself, sir. Well, hello. My name is Sergio Mims. I am the um, co-founder and co-programmer of the Black Harvest Film Festival, among other things. I am a film journalist, a uh, film critic. Not so much anymore. I prefer writing about the business than actually reviewing about pictures. And um, a, a, a screenwriter, a former lecturer at the uh, School of the Art Institute in Chicago, and lately a DVD commentator. Done several titles. Uh, I have a major one coming out next week. We'll talk more about okay. that shortly. Mm -hmm. And I have another three lined up I'll be doing for a label for Arrow Films and for Kino Lober and for Vinegar Syndrome. So, yeah, there's a whole new opportunity now for me. All right, Sergio Mims. And by the way, every, anybody who listens to the Ben Jarofsky show knows Sergio. He knows a lot more about movies. We talk a lot of politics with him, but probably won't do much political talk today. And you, gentlemen, identify yourself. Your CV about half as long, but uh, <laughs> my name is Chris Buddy. I'm a filmmaker living in Chicago. I also work as a video producer uh, for a number of brands. Uh, I've directed three documentary, feature documentary films, and then I could throw you a movie quote, which was actually my senior yearbook quote, which is, go home and get your shine box. What movie is that from? Anybody? Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, uh, Joe Pesci. Oh, the guy, Lorraine good Morocco, fellas. <laughs> Frank I Vincent. Got, I got a, a movie quote. Oh, here we go, go ahead, okay. yeah. Sing Mammy, Mammy from Alabama. <laughs> Oh, uh, that is uh, Gone with the Wind. No. Al Jolson. Uh, Al Jolson. No. That's from Black Caesar. Oh, Black, oh, Black, Black Caesar. Caesar. There we All go. Right. We're gonna, that's on our uh, list of movies we're going to uh, be dealing with. And uh, sing it good. All right. Now, Sergio Mims, uh, let's take a moment to promote something that we're doing. The Black Harvest Film Festival opens uh, August 1st or August 2nd here. Third. August 3rd. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, one and two is three uh, here in the city of Chicago. We talked a little bit about it. Uh, to Gene Cisco movie. Uh, palace or house uh, on State Street right across the street from the Chicago Theater for a full month. That's right. Uh, from August 3rd to the 29th, uh, it's at the Gene Siskel Film Center, part of the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Mm -hmm. uh, it is right across the Chicago Theater. Uh, this is our 25th year. Uh, I cannot believe, really, it has been 25 years. Yeah, I can't wow. believe it either. 25 years, years and uh, we talked about this earlier in the show so we're probably not going to spend a lot of time talking it now but uh, every Black Harvest Film Festival has an old movie that they bring back and there's a, a mm -hmm. personality associated with the movie who's on on hand to talk about it uh, either the director or an actor etc mm -hmm. and this year you're going to be uh, featuring Crooklyn right. Spike Lee's Crooklyn mm -hmm. Spike Lee will not be there no but we're working on something else something else and that's all we're about to say and that'll be at the end of the run at the end of August, that's when you do uh, the old Yes, you should define one night the 29th. Yeah, but there's going to be a whole array of documentaries, a whole array of new features. Features, short, short film panels, uh, events, um, even parties. You know, we plan this to be, since it's the 25th year, we really want to do it up. Make yeah. it the best. Well, it... Uh, we had a really long meeting last night about planning what to do for this year's festival. 
uh, and we'll probably have you back on the show. Uh, well, we already cut that deal. of have you back on the show in July with more information about the Black Harvest Film, Film Festival. Chris Bun- Buddy has been on the show. I just quoted him in the reader. Uh, the article's coming out uh, this week about his current movie. Chris, promote your movie. Tell folks all about it. Sure, yeah. I had a, a feature documentary, my latest, come out a few weeks ago, and it is set within the world of professional blackjack players, the world's probably... 1% elite players who beat the game of blackjack by counting cards, which is just a system of legally beating the game of blackjack. Uh, so it's called Inside the Edge, and it's uh, the release has been pretty good so far. A lot of people have seen it, so couldn't be more happy. Yeah, and you can just download it wherever on Yeah, it's available, you go. Uh, it's available on most cable providers. Uh, Amazon Prime is a good place to see it. iTunes, you can rent or buy it. I mean, it's like a three ninety nine rental. And... Uh, I could go on and on about this. Uh, This is what I wrote about it in the reader. The movie spotlights uh, the efforts by casinos to keep uh, Casey, who's the star of the movie, that's not his real name. He's uh, uh, operating under another assumed name. But anyway, keep him from getting into the casinos because he's figured out how to win. And so effectively, the casinos do not want to have to pay out money. They just want to take money from suckers. And so I I still to this day, Chris Buddy, have a hard time understanding how it's legal to prevent somebody from entering a a casino. He's not being disruptive. He's not being abusive. He's not violating the law. Um, he's dressed appropriately. Yeah, he's playing the game within the rules of the game as it's offered. Right. It's not it's, like he's there's no shoot, no shoes, no shirt, no service. He's wearing <laughs> a shirt. He's got his shoes on, and they ban him simply because he's better than they are. Yeah, because they can. Really, is the it's a frustrating answer, but it's it's the real answer. They they are establishments, private establishments that can bar anyone they want. Yeah. Well, I, and and we I put that in the context in this article I wrote on the fact that Illinois is doing a massive expansion of gambling. We're probably going to be the largest gaming state uh, in the Midwest. Uh, I had some folks on the show yesterday who were talking about how eventually Illinois and Chicago, Chicago will perhaps be rivaling Vegas, uh, Sergio and Chris, uh, in the coming years as we expand uh, casinos, try to uh, make this more of a, a destination, if you will, that people would come to Chicago to gamble, uh, to throw their money away. Uh, this is, it seems to be the long-term objective of the state lawmakers uh, who've expanded greatly, dramatically expanded the number of gaming operations uh, in the state of Illinois, in the city of Chicago. Uh, and the, the, the significance of your movie uh, is that it shows that the whole really illustrates how the entire gambling industry is set up to soak suckers. You hear yeah. that, Sergio? So we're yeah. going to be financing our government by soaking suckers. And uh, it's probably the most regressive tax in the world. I have a lot of issues with it. but uh. well, Yeah. Um, about a month ago, I was watching, um, what's that show on Channel 11? Chicago Tonight? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, that show, yep. That yeah. show, right. Yeah. And uh, they, had, they were doing a report on gambling. Mm-hmm. And the reporter said, well... Um, Right now, it's up in the air if a deal's going to be made. You know, they're still talking about it. We don't see anything happening this session. Mm-hmm. Two weeks later, yeah, they no. got the, and the first thing I thought, to, I thought was, what were the deals that were struck? I'll tell what you. went on behind the scenes? All right. Uh, and now, we're supposed to be talking movies, but this would be a great documentary. Yeah. Uh, what happened was, and this is what I just wrote about, it wasn't as though the state reps and the state senators were anguishing over the, um, uh, the, the whether it's shrewd policy, prudent policy to raise so much money that we need to fund our government uh, from soaking poor people who can't mm-hmm. afford it. OK, uh, the morality of that, if you will. Mm-hmm. Essentially, there was a battle of interests of a gambling interest over who would be the beneficiary of the bill. Right. So the bill was essentially written in a way that protected the interests of uh, in-state gambling mm-hmm. concerns, if you follow what I'm saying, right. as opposed to out-of-state um, online betting mm. services. Sure. Mm-hmm. So that was the delay. It mm-hmm. was lobbyists wheeling and dealing behind the scenes. And when when they struck their deal, when the powers that be struck their deal, 
the state reps and the state senators fell in line. I don't even think they had time. It was an 800-page bill. They didn't have time to read it. They just voted for it. Yeah. Meanwhile, with the marijuana bill, this is my pet peeve, the anguish, you know, the breastfeeding. Oh, my God, are we subjecting our children right. to uh, this this demon drug? You hear me, uh, Sergio, on this? So we're anguishing and pounding our breasts over the reefer bill and then just rolling over and uh, expanding gambling. Anyway, okay. um, let's move on to movies. But I urge everyone, uh, Inside the Edge, Chris Buddy's flick. You can see it anywhere. And it uh, shows you what a, a industry of suckers. This is the Soak Suckers uh, casino industry. All right. Uh, it's a summer. Favorite summer flicks. Uh, we'll start with you, uh, Sergio Mims, your favorite summer movies. I'm three. Okay. All right. Uh, two are old, one is more recent. Okay. Um, turn to summer movies. Okay. Mm-hmm. This year happens to be the 50th anniversary of a movie that really changed Hollywood and changed how films were made. And it came out 50 years ago in the summer. And that film is The Wild Bunch. Mm. Sam Peck and Paul's The Wild oh, Bunch. Yeah. yeah. And it came out this summer. It came out this summer of 1969. And there's a brand new book on it. And there's a magazine called Cinema Retro. And they do a special summer edition. It's all going to be about the Wild Bunch. It changed Hollywood. And it changed filmmaking. And it changed the depiction of violence. Even though you look at it today, it's pretty tame compared to what has, came, has come after mm-hmm. it. But at the time, it was cutting edge. Yeah. And it was a flop when it came out. And it outraged people. But if you look at a movie today, it is astounding. When you look at the final shootout, which takes place between the Wild Bunch and the Mexican Army, I still think it's one of the greatest action sequences ever put on film. Why do you say that? Uh, look at the editing. Films had never been edited like that before. Now it's copied, but back then, and remember, they did it on film, not the cut on video or anything. Um, and Peck and Paul's depiction of the West, which was really new at the time, this dying, the West was dying. It was changing. It was the 20th century. And he had all these old outlaws and cowboys who saw the end of the line for them. And so what's the movie about? It's about a bunch of old guys who realize they're at the end of their rope. So we're going to try one last mm-hmm. deal. And they go knowing that they're not going to make it out alive. Exactly. It's an amazing picture. And it covers on certain themes that Packenball had done in other pictures, like like Major Dundee and and a wild, wild ride high country. But he put it all in this Now, picture. why do you call that a summer movie? It came what? out in the summer. Oh, it came out in the summer. Okay. Yeah, it came out in the yeah, summer. Yeah. Came out. My father took me to see it. Yeah. I was way too young to see it, <laughs> yeah. but my father was great because my father would take me. You see, I talked to a lot of people. Well, I wasn't allowed to see that when I was a kid. My father took me to everything. He didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. It didn't matter, you know. And the great thing about Chicago was um, the ticket takers didn't care. When you they were the so ticket. jaded, Chicago ticket takers. They, they didn't care. Yeah. If you had the money, even though you weren't <laughs> supposed to see it, they let you see it. Yeah. And also, here's the other thing. Yeah. 1969, I argue, is one of the most important years of filmmaking because it's the first year the films were fully rated by the MPAA. You know, I, I've talked to younger people, uh-huh. millennials yeah. and younger. <laughs> He's doing and, the air quotes. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. I tell them, you know, I was around when movies weren't rated. They weren't rated, you yeah. know. Yeah, you know, before then. Nineteen sixty nine, man, that's a whole subgenre of itself. Right. Nineteen sixty nine movies. Yeah. You'll be amazed what came out that year. I would guess, and really? I could be wrong. Medium Cool, maybe sixty. Medium Cool, uh, Fellini Satiricon. Oh sure. Uh, Butch Cass and the, and the Sundance, uh, Sundance Kid, um, Visconti's The Damned, um, Woody. <laughs> What Woody Allen movie? Woody Allen's first movie it would have been, that he wrote. Take the money and run. Take the money and run that he wrote and directed. Wow, I t- take the money and run. A funny movie. That's a great one. Is that the one yeah. where you the cello? Cello the player. Yeah, you saw me doing the cello <laughs> yeah. thing in the marching That's band. Great, I will say, if I may, uh, yeah. I don't want to just. I would say the the Wild Bunch violence still holds up. What do you oh, mean? Oh, it still holds up. Well, he's saying up. you know we've seen it all. 
Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, to violence, no, but no, I mean, it's no, still no. Of course, it still holds up. I'm yeah. not saying that, but I mean, now people try to top that. Yeah, right. Oh no, I was just but, saying for someone who wasn't around when it came out, and I've oh, seen it came out. More, it I mean, was John it was, Woo, crazy violence. I'd say that violence is still pretty. All good. right. So, what's your favorite summer movie? Well, he's got two more. Oh, just two more. more. Um, the number two. It's the movie that started the whole. <laughs> Play that again. Number, Number two. two. Yeah. Okay. Number two is the movie that really started the summer movie craze. Right? What yeah. movie was that? Well, I would... I was going to say Jaws. Jaws. Yeah, Jaws. That was mine. That's my number right. one. Yeah. Because you have to be, people don't realize before Jaws, yeah. um, there wasn't a summer movie season. Well, there that was really also wasn't. the first blockbuster. Right. Yeah. There was a, a matter of fact, it was considered a risk to, if, if you look how films were released before then, yeah. the big season was Christmas, Thanksgiving, Christmas, right? But big films were released all the time. And students were reluctant to release films in the summer, the really big movies, because they thought nobody's going to go see them, because they're doing everything else. Yeah. They're at the ballpark, they're at the beach, they're barbecuing, they're on vacation, they're staying at home. And so when Jaws came out in June of 1975, it was considered a big risk. Okay, we don't know about this. They had a brilliant marketing campaign, and that movie did like $100 million in just over a month, which no film had done before. That fast, that fast. And they realized, wow, people go to see movies during the summer. And then Star Wars came out two years later, and then that was it. Yeah, that right. is, they also opened it on more screens than it had ever been released yeah. on before. You talk about Jaws. Jaws, yeah. Because yeah, right. usually I think a movie would roll out, right? And they did it yeah, in right. cities. And I think Jaws is an example of the first movie that opened everywhere at once. And yeah, so your third movie? Uh, third Number movie, three. Number three. <laughs> <laughs> a movie you just mentioned. Uh, if I go pick a movie for the summer, I would pick uh, Inglorious Bastards. Ah, uh, yeah, I just said that Inglorious right. Bastards. Now here's the thing: it's a movie which I didn't like the first time I saw oh, it. I was disappointed goodness. with it. Wow! But I've grown to like it. Oh, I love that movie. Okay. That's a Quentin Tarantino movie. We're gonna do a Quentin Tarantino deep dive in a little bit. Yeah. Because uh, we got some Quentin Tarantino. That's a movie. Uh, we get to movies we're looking forward yeah. to. Uh, all right, young man. What are your f three favorite summer movies? So, I'll, okay, I had Jaws as my number one. I think Jaws, you know, I watch that once a year. It's the best movie ever. But uh, I'll go, I'll, can I go Wait, three? Wait, time out. Best movie ever? I'd put it in the top 10 of like right. film. I mean, the importance okay. and, and just watchable and then Spielberg's, you know. Okay, fair enough. You've gone from the best movie ever to top 10. I can live with top 10. Okay, yeah, oh, well, yeah, yeah. my hyperbole, I'm yeah. raining it in. All right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come up with three more. So, Jaws, you know, I got to throw in the Jaws up there for me. All right, I'll start. Not obscure, but a little older is uh, Monsieur Hulot's Holiday, Mr. Hulot's Holiday by Jacques Tati, French director, kind uh -huh. of slapsticky, very black funny. and white. Yeah, yeah. very funny. A lot, a lot of his movies are pretty cool. Now, how do you know? Why is that a summer movie? Well, it's on. So I'm not doing summer releases because I don't know when movies get released. I'm doing yeah. theme thematically. Okay, gotcha. Okay, summer right, yeah. So it's a vacation movie on a summer vacation in a, in a, a beach resort in France, and hilarity ensues. Uh, so I would recommend that one highly. And then how about, uh, all right, how about an 80s movie, uh, Summer School, classic Carl Reiner movie with oh. uh, Mark Harmon's the, uh, the gym teacher who gets forced to teach uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, remedial English. To I the, saw the, Summer uh, School. Yeah, I've seen that so many times. I, I, I think kid, I saw it last week. As a kid, I just remember seeing it all the time on like HBO and Cinemax and all that. Uh, like, during yeah. the summer when I was like, you know, yeah. school was out. <laughs> So, that holds up, man. It's a good one. And then you got, uh, all right, and then I'd say uh, Stand By Me is one of my favorite Ah, movies. Stand By so, Me? Well, literally, uh, okay, so now this this list, uh, uh, Sergio and, and Chris, it, it, it does bend things. It's like movies that are set in the summer, uh, movies that come out in the summer, uh, and Jaws combine both because yes, it's set nice, in yeah. the summer. So that's well, why I think it's the perfect. I can perfect. tell you another film, which is perfect, summer movie. Do the right thing. Yeah, oh, that was yeah. that was. You know, you stole two of my movies. <laughs> oh, do the right thing. <laughs> Interview's <laughs> over. Get out of here, guys. We're done. I mean, but do the right thing uh, is a. I, I can't think of a movie now. Maybe you guys are the the, the real uh, students of this. 
that depicts summer that gets the, the heat yeah. of summer. Everyone's sweating and making bad decisions yeah. and in a foul Tempers are running mood. high. Tempers are, it's just, that's summer, yeah. you know? And um, it's 30th year anniversary. That's right. Uh, uh, Black Carver's Film Festival will be doing a different Spike Lee movie, so. Did Ernest Dickerson shoot Crickland? Oh, yeah. yeah. No, oh, no, 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 it's Alfred Jaffa. Okay. And uh, so anyway, do the right thing. And then I would put in my list, uh, you mentioned already, Glorious Bastards, because I saw it in the summer. I remember exactly when I saw it, where I was. It came out in August. Came out in August, mid-August. I I was there the um, second night because I was on vacation, came back to Chicago. And that Saturday night I saw it. I loved it very much. Uh, Quentin Tarantino. All right. So those are our summer movies, folks. You can check them out. Everybody agrees on Jaws. Uh, I think most of our listeners are uh, probably have seen Jaws. uh, But there's some uh, movies that you may not have seen on the list as well. All right. Another uh, uh, subset of movies that both of you know a lot about. Uh, Sergio has done voiceovers, a narration of so many black exploitation movies, at least three or four that I'm thinking well, of. Well, I've done three. Three? Okay. So far. All right. Well, the third, which is coming out next week, which is, and I just recorded last month, okay. which is for uh, Putney Swope. Putney Swope. Another 1969 movie. All right. Oh, now let's uh, let's take a little moment to talk Putney Swope. Right. Uh, get your thoughts on it, and then I'll turn to Chris. Go ahead, Sergio. Well, it's a um, an independent film shot in black and white. came out in 1969, directed by Robert Downey Sr., mm-hmm. the father of, the of Iron Man. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a satire of what happens when there's this agency. And it's a broad satire. He had this agency, and the head of the agency dies. This whole opening scene where he just falls dead on the table and he starts picking his pockets, you know, literally taking his watch and his wallet. And um, they have to find a new uh, somebody and they can't vote for themselves, the members, right? So they decide to vote for the person who's leaks like he's going to get it. And that's the one black guy named Putney Swope. Mm-hmm. So he winds up getting most of the votes, so he winds up becoming head of the agency. And he turns it upside down, and be, be, he tries to make it to this black revolutionary agency. But the thing about the movie, which some people complained about, is that the message of this movie is the old line, um, absolute power corrupts, and absolute power corrupt, corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because as he starts making money, and starts uh, gaining more power, Putney Swope, in the long run, is not that much different from the white guys who ran the agency in the first place. And then you have um, um, Antonio Fargus, Mm -hmm. who is the one revolutionary, who's still revolutionary, who's trying to preach revolution, right? And what he does at the end of the movie, to me, is hysterical. It it makes me laugh. but it was a groundbreaking movie, and um, it, it's coming out next week from Vinegar Syndrome, a brand new 4K restoration of the movie, and moi has done a new DVD commentary for this release. I talked somewhat about the make of the movie, but also so much about the impact of the film. Mm-hmm. The thing about it is that it was very difficult to do it because it comes, so much keeps happening yeah. in the picture that I'll be talking about something and if something happens, so I gotta out. address that. So when you do, back. you've already done the Putney Swope. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. So uh, when you're doing the commentary, you're talking over a scene. And yeah, well, how it works is yeah. that they send me a link. You know, and I have, like, at home, I have my own microphone. I've had it for about two years. Mm-hmm. A microphone record, and I got Audacity and all that stuff. So I record, I, I'll write notes, mm-hmm. you know, I'll look at it, I'll write notes, you know, and everything. And then I'll watch it while recording my commentary, uh, my thoughts on the picture. And then I send it in. And then they'll put it together. They weave it together. Right. Uh, all right, uh, Chris, uh, your favorite black exploitation movie. I know you've oh. watched a lot of them. Well, you know, it's funny. I went in. I, I like systematically watched all the black exploitation movies in high school, and I, you know, some are good and some are unwatchable. Obviously, I think the one. <laughs> it's, what's funny? I realized well, yeah. the ones that stick with me are the ones with the best soundtracks that I watch. Yeah. So I think Black Caesar, which was mentioned earlier, was yeah. probably my Jay favorite Brown. one. Yep. Uh, Superfly. 
Yeah, Superfly. I like Superfly. I like uh, Truck Turner. I like, uh, I like Truck Turner. What's the one with? Uh, oh man, uh, Anthony Quinn. Oh man, across 110th Street. Across 110th Street. Oh, oh, yeah. Like, really Hutch. Yeah. yeah, and Yafet Koto, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, with yeah. Truck Turner. What's wrong with Truck Turner? Truck Turner is great. Guys, yeah. Well, Sergio is almost my age, but I saw these movies in real time. Okay. So I saw these Well, you know, we can't forget the Pam Greer movies either, though, right? So those are, and by the, the way... The greatest <laughs> of all time! And by the way, Chuck Turner, you know, has that <laughs> incredible performance by Nichelle Mick Nichols. Yeah. Uh, who has some of the wildest dialogue in that movie. Oh, my God. And, and, and by the way, yeah. uh, if you want to talk about black exploitation, the one to me I think is the greatest. This show you how times change. Yeah. Okay. I still say it's three the hard way. Okay. Yeah. And what is three the hard way? Hard way. Yeah. What is three the hard way about? It's about these three black guys, who Jim Brown, Fred Williamson, and Jim Kelly, who find out that they're they're this crazed white supremacist, yeah. <laughs> multimillionaire, has hatched a plan to kill all the black people in the United States. Don't say that's far from the truth. So. <laughs> But yeah. he, he has this chemical. He he's had the scientists invent this chemical. He's going to put in a water supply that will give all black people sickle cell anemia, yeah. right? But it won't affect white people. So they find out about it, and they go from Chicago to Washington to L.A. to stop it. It's a James Bondian movie, right? Okay, I wrote about that picture a few years ago, and the comments I got were. This is ridiculous. This is the dumbest idea I ever heard for a movie. Okay? After Trump got elected, I republished it. Oh my God, this yeah. was, must have been written yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did this movie get? Things changed with Donald Trump. I still have not seen that movie. But wait, you didn't get to say your favorite movie. Your favorite uh, Black Well, I still that with Black Caesar. That is probably Black my favorite. Is your favorite? Yes. So I'm curious, do you consider Putney Swope a black exploitation movie? Is it even an exploitation movie? Well, you say about it's a social commentary on the 10th Street. A lot of people say that's not so much really a black exploitation film. That's fair. I You're just right. don't know. Well, how would you define a black exploitation? Well, I don't know. I kind of define them as I define exploitation movies, like the Roger Corn. You know, just kind of cheaply made, vile. You know, mm -hmm. things that maybe don't add up, like plot twists that don't you come out of nowhere. You know, I would not put Putney Swope. It, I wouldn't either. I my definition, and it's again, it's in real time, so. Black exploitation movies were movies that all of a sudden everything changed and the bad guys were the white guys. Yeah. And conventionally the movies that I had seen growing up in the 60s, well black people didn't really exist in the movies. Uh so if there was a bad guy in a western it would be uh the Indians, the Native Americans and the white guys were the good guys. And black exploitation movies flipped that and it came at a time when I was like dealing with a lot of issues about race in my own mind, and all of a sudden, like the white guy is the bad guy. Hmm. I'm a white kid growing up, you know, in Evanston. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> but I loved them. I loved them because the heroes were so cool yep. and so tough. The music was so cool. Mm -hmm. They walked in like in tune with the music and you know it just at the time it seemed like really cutting edge stuff and i gotta tell you guys i go back and watch these movies that i love that i spent good money going to see and they're terrible yeah, well that's every exploitation you know? well that's well, the, defini the definition that's of exploitation. the beholder Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you know the Rudy Ray Moore movies. I loved them when oh they came out. But you God, go back and so watch genius. those, and they're and you know, they don't really piece together all the time. Oh, I tell you, you could take really out of that it's sense. It's genius. It's genius. Oh, I love, don't get me you wrong. You know, I, I mean, Human Tornado. Yeah, yeah but they're they're wild, like you say. You know, they're just they're they're not. You know, there is a Netflix movie coming out of Rudy Ray Moore. You know about this. oh documentary? No, no, a oh. feature. Oh you know yeah, who, Rudy uh, Ray Moore? I I knew this. Tracy Morgan. No, 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 no. <laughs> Tracy Moore. Who plays him? Eddie Murphy. What? Oh yeah. Eddie, Eddie Murphy, Murphy plays really Rudy happened? Ray Moore, and 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 uh, Wesley Snipes plays Duvernay Martin. And I said, I hear it's really good. Wow. 
I do, and I, th- I heard this morning, actually, from a friend of mine in L.A. It's really good. All right, hold on. While we're on this, this is a, tan- uh, this is a category I have not asked yeah. you about. I'm going to put it to you, Chris uh-huh. Buddy, and then you, Sergio. Uh-huh. One, should Netflix movies, movies that uh, mostly appear on Netflix, maybe they got that one week they're put in a, you know, and, and the, on, a, on a big screen, should they be eligible for the Academy Awards, Chris Buddy? Yes. <laughs> Why? Uh, I'm with Steven Spielberg on yeah, this one. Yeah, you know, I'm usually with Steven Spielberg, but I mean, I think that's an antiquated way of thinking. I mean, where are most people watching their movies now these days? I mean, it's 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 revolutionized distribution. You can't. You're either gonna die with the the old, you know, guard. That's gonna, me. I'm gonna, dying with the old gonna, guard. You see, but I can see both reasons, right? Okay. You, t- you look at Roma. Yeah, right. Roma, great flick. Right, but no, but okay, but they, my caveat, sorry, is okay. I think you should put it in the theater. For but here's me, the problem: that, is, that was Roma the rule, right? is was the best movie, in my humble opinion, of 2018. Yeah, but it. You undercut it by putting it just on your boob tube screen. It was meant to be it was seen, seen in a big screen. And a big oh, screen and Netflix shot, yeah. undercut. The I mean, I saw the film twice before it came out. I saw it at screening, and then I saw it when the music box. Yeah, see, I missed that. The and, music and they box. had they had seventy millimeter print of it. Yeah. And they showed it in the music box, and I have a copy of it at home. I haven't watched it. Because it's meant to be seen. Yeah. On the Have big you seen it, Chris? Oh, yeah, I, I did see it twice. I liked it better the second time. But I will bring this conversation back a little bit just to kind of put it in context. So you were, were talking about the late 60s, 69, all yeah. the movies. Like that was a major shift from the studios to mm-hmm. the, the director as auteur, and a lot of great mm-hmm. movies came out. Right now, the studios are making. Marvel 17 and Superman reboot and St- Spider-Man 16 and it's the Netflixes and the Amazons who are giving them uh, the real auteurs the money to make whatever they want. That's a good so point. So the studio system is kind of languishing again and I think people I mean okay you can argue Roma Roma wouldn't get made 8 years ago under the studio system. No. So you kind of have that to thank. So I mean it's kind of like a a scale yeah. you know, where do you lean yeah i just I, I you're right when you put it that way you're absolutely correct uh they give the freedom uh, for all kinds of different movies that we don't know that you made but i just think it's a doing a disservice it's just some old school guy that's used to watching it on big screen it's so a, I that's a fair that. argument too i mean yeah roma i didn't see it in 70 millimeter but i did see it in the i uh yeah so all right now moving on uh, uh black exploitation movies uh people should know about so you would say uh black exploitation people movie they, they should know about is uh black caesar, black caesar. Like i said also i said truck turner which is kind of a funny obscure <laughs> more obscure one but i love it and a great soundtrack too yeah also uh, by uh isaac hayes right? Isaac hayes, right oh speaking of isaac hayes there's a movie called tough guys i don't know if you ever Tough guys. Three tough guys. Uh, I heard um, the soundtrack. I hadn't heard this in so long. It was so good. Underscoring the point you were making, Chris, that it's the soundtracks that yeah, carry yeah. these movies. You know, it's funny. Some uh, A friend of mine posted an image from Three Tough Guys. Yeah. This was a couple months ago with Isaac Hayes and Lino Ventura. Yes, the Italian, yeah. The Italian yeah. actor, and some extra who's playing a prostitute. Uh-huh. And it was right on the corner of Washington and Dearborn, yes. when the old United Artists Theater, yes. you see in the background. Yep. Shot and I posted it, yeah. I, I took it and I said, wow. Remember this, and I got so many comments. Oh my God, where's this? I said, that was back in the day. Yeah. When you had all these movie theaters in Chicago. Yeah, Because part Chicago. of it was shot in Chicago. Yeah. Right. It was set in and Chicago, yeah. It, but that was back when you couldn't daily at the time. Was daily? Yeah, yeah daily it was, was daily. And he was very restrictive on what films could be shot here in Chicago. He didn't want. I don't movies. know how they got three tough guys. Past I don't know them. because the idea he didn't want movies that show Chicago in a bad light. Then when Jane Byrne. Yeah, she let it go with the. She let it go with Blues, Blues Brothers. Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> All right, for ten trivia points, who is the third bad guy? Three tough guys. There, who's the Fred third? Fred Williamson. Tough? Very good. <laughs> yeah, that one. Even Fred the Hammer Williamson. I know it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I haven't seen a Three Tough Guys since it came out in the seventies, but I heard the soundtrack, and the soundtrack is sensational. Yeah. It's Isaac Hayes. He's uh, a musical genius, but he was a lousy actor. Do you agree with me on that one, uh, Sergio? <laughs> yeah, we in agreement on that one. So Isaac would, Hayes I is a lousy say actor. He was a master thespian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, anyway, so uh, there you go. Black exploitation movie. You should see Black Caesar, uh, and I will throw Putney Swope as a great flick. Well, I don't know. Is it a great movie? 
No, it's not a yeah, great It's not film, a great movie. But it's, it's very influential. Yeah. Putney Swope? Yeah, Putney yeah, Swope. I, like, I mean, you know what it reminds me of? Uh, I would liken it, and that was why I kind of asked you if it was black exploitation, because I would liken it more to like uh, Network. Or even yeah. and Bamboozled, which yeah. came along a lot later, I think has a lot Bamboozled. Thoughts on Bamboozled. I love it. Uh, Bamboozled, Underrated. I've always thought, was a 90-minute sharp satire trapped inside a 140-minute bloated one. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's, it's, it's, <laughs> that's why he's the man. But there, are, but there are moments of brilliance in there right. that are so cool. Absolutely. And Rappaport, let's give yeah, him he, credit, oh, man. He kills kill, it in that kills, movie. Yeah. Um, Tommy Davidson kills it. There was something... Um, Oh gosh, that's coming up by Criterion. They're releasing that sometime Which later one? this year. Bamboozle. Oh, really? They They've announced it, it. A big yeah. new. I told you about Criterion package. last week. Yes, you did. Uh, they released yeah. the. They they talk about the, uh, DVD commentaries and extensive vests. Oh, that, and, that's the holy grail. Yeah, they they <laughs> they'll, they'll <laughs> redo the print. For. They'll get the director's approval. They'll get. Mm-hmm. Cr- I mean, crazy amounts of extras, things you could never have thought of. Yeah, for, like for the one they're doing for uh, Do the Right Thing next month. Yeah. All right, do the right thing. All right, uh, that that combined. Well, I wouldn't call it a black exploitation movie, uh, but uh, it's a great summer. We'll go if ahead. If I may, and- I just want to show Sergio one thing. So my mm-hmm. film poster for the documentary mm-hmm. that I just completed was owes a lot to the black uh, Black Caesar oh, movie poster. So yeah, so within my movie. Uh, the documentary, a lot goes on. There's security, there's cops who are kind of evading, as, as Ben mentioned. So I, I kind of wanted to have that feel of the road movie meets a lot going on. So I, I think you'll see it uh, owes a lot to the Black Caesar oh, uh, yeah. movie poster. Right. That was, oh. Show that to our... Oh, wait a minute, the camera's on. <laughs> to quote that, it's great moments. Yeah, there you go. With the same kind of, yeah. uh, you know, the same symmetry and the same... Yeah, no, I did. I saw that. It, it it also has a, like a James Bond feel to it uh, as well. All right, uh, there we go. Uh, new movies that you're looking forward to as the summer unfolds. We'll start with you, Chris Buddy. Well, I think we go no further than Once It's Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. I mean, that's going to be the movie of the year. I don't want to say it's going to be the movie of the year, but it's the uh, movie event of the year. Uh, I think I think it's called Ad Astra. Is a science fiction movie coming out later. Sergio just told me it got pushed. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It was supposed to come out earlier this year, and then it kept getting pushed back. And then push back, which usually is not a good That's sign. That's not a good sign, but it looks But then they announced that it was it's going to premiere at the Venice Film Festival. Oh wow, so maybe they in, held it in August, which means hey, evidently I think the studio thought, hey, wait a minute, maybe we got something here mm. better. So it's coming out in September. What's it called again? I think it's Ad Astra. I, yeah, I literally Astra. just saw the James Gray, right. And then I'll throw a wild card out there, which I think because I'm not even a comic book guy but that joker movie looks so interesting to me they're saying it looks like taxi driver yeah now i have to tell you something i have friends who are into you know deeply into comedy sure. and everything and they're just, this is going to be horrible this is going to be horrible it's going to be the worst and i said for someone who's not into it this looks interesting now talk about joker what what goes on so in it's, joker? A, it's, it's, it's about the origins of the joker but it's walking phoenix kind of a loner drifting right. around the city and then kind of devolving it, it the batman like joker the devolving into yeah. a socio-psycho so he will, plays the joker the joker yeah. and it will be r-rated they announced that but it will if be I, an R-rated and is it, i think it's directed by the guy who did like old school and other kind of yeah he did the, 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 yeah, but he's a good director Todd Phillips. So that's another weird old school with uh, Roddy Dangerfield. No, that's that's uh, back oh, old school. school is with Will Ferrell. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Dangerfield. You're talking about back, back to school. school. <laughs> that movie's awesome. By the way, back to school, great movie, and yeah. I think it's Triple Lindy. What's that? No, no, the Triple Lindy. Oh yeah, the, the divey. Dive. Yeah, the divey. Yeah, you know the divey. I, yeah. I still think Easy Money funny. Oh, Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci, and uh, yeah, that's a great one. <laughs> great Rodney Dangerfield. And he's got some he's got some great lines in Caddyshack. Yeah, no, oh, Caddyshack. Yeah. There, hey, by the way, great summer movie. Oh, Caddyshack yeah. and Turner, it takes place. Oh, in the another great summer movie. Well, how can I forget it? I still think one of the funniest movies ever made in history of, of movies. National Lampoon Animal House. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Animal. But House. that's during school year, so that's not necessarily yeah. vacation. Yeah, why would you put that as a summer movie? It didn't come out summer, right? No, uh, well, maybe it came out. It came out summer. Yeah. Well, you know, memory again is a funny thing. I have a memory of going to see it. And I don't think it was in the summer. I think it was in the spring. But you know what? It could have been summer. Memory is a funny thing. It could have been Chicago summer, which feels like spring. So there you go. Uh, uh, all right. So back to movies that you're uh, looking forward to. Uh, what are you looking forward to? Oh, Once Upon a Time. All right. Now talk America. about Once Upon a Time in, America, uh, in Hollywood. In, 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 Hollywood. in, in Hollywood. It's yeah. Tarantino's his ninth movie. He's only doing 10. 
He said, this is the last. I don't believe that. You know, do you believe that? He said he's going to write novels. I, I think I think he may hold to it. Okay, right. he's going to write novels. Um, <laughs> and it actually wait time out. So this will be number nine. It'll be one after this. Right. Time. Okay, go ahead. Actually, it's about uh, a struggling actor and his best friend, who's a stuntman. Mm-hmm. and about their various inventions throughout Hollywood in 1969. Mm-hmm. And there is a website because this, he didn't, Tennant is like an old school director. He didn't just do CDI. He really went to Hollywood and he recreated 1969. So he got all them old movie posters. He went back to the old Cinerama Dome mm-hmm. and got the old posters like Krakatoa East of Java, which I saw as a kid. With I my saw father. that one. And, Krakatoa and, East of Java. I didn't yeah. even know where it was. I was like, whoa, I right. saw it at the Valencia. That and he, he recreated all this stuff, right? And it culminates with what happened in 69 in Hollywood. Uh, Charles Manson. And Charles Manson. Now, I don't know how he's going to treat this. Um, yeah, because Charles Manson is a character within the movie. And I hear he's barely in it. Actually, Charles Manson character is barely in it. Okay. But, um, and there was like somebody who's playing Roman Polanski. And, uh, and Margot Robbie plays... Sharon Tate, mm-hmm. uh, how graphic is going to go or how far is it going to go? It runs 165, 165 minutes. Wow. Uh, which is typical for Tarantino. Mm-hmm. Talk about black exploitation. Oh, what do you think, Django? Django's a black exploitation film. Mm-hmm. All right. It. We've had the Django conversation. Let's just have it again. Yeah. Uh, your thoughts on Django. Tell everybody what your thoughts about Django. I love that picture. I love it to death. Why? I really do. Uh, number one, you you know one one of the every three cowboys at that period was a person of color. One of the every three. You know you won't know that in the movies. And there are very few westerns which feature black characters. There's Buck and the Preacher. Buck and the Harry uh, <laughs> I saw that movie in downtown yeah. Evanston. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, mm-hmm. There's. Well, there was that, you know, Magnificent Seven remake. We won't mention that. Oh, that was really bad. That was, yeah, yeah that wasn't great. Uh, but there has, there's been a few. And, and Fred Williamson did a bunch of yeah. Adios Amigos. A yeah, Hundred Rifles. A Hundred Rifles. One which of the my greatest movies. took me to see as a kid. <laughs> you ever see Hundred Rifles? I have not. Oh, my right. God. Kel Welch and Jim right. Brown. Yeah. The big sex scene in the movie. Yeah. Right. And and there's uh, there's another film Fred Williamson did called Boss N-Word, which I don't Yeah, remember. thank you. You're not Monroe. Okay, he would have said it, but go <laughs> right. ahead. Yeah. Which I saw at the Woods Theater. I've never I got seen it on one. Blu-ray, by the way. Yeah. I got 100 Rifles on Blu-ray. Uh, um, so anyway, go back to 19... Posse with uh, Mario Van Peebles. I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, no, movie. please don't. No, That's a terrible movie. I'm just kidding. Wait, all right. So so uh, uh, we, we were talking about Django. So you like it because uh, it, it pays oh, tribute well, yeah, to yeah, Black but, Cowboys. But also because he, infer- like, he turns everything upside down. He inverts everything, yeah. right? And when the protest came, how could you do a movie? And I go like, don't you get it? Here's a black guy getting back and the white slave owners. How could you not yeah. love this picture? Yeah, no. I don't get it, yeah. right? I mean, that one scene when he comes in, the, you know, like we mentioned, Richard Hudge is my friend, okay? Mm-hmm. Who's the producer of the movie. And I remember talking to him one day while the film was in production. And I said, well, what are you shooting now? He said, well, we're shooting the big shootout scene in the house. And I said, yeah, and he goes, oh God, the blood. <laughs> and he and I go, what are you talking about? He said, Quentin, my God, he's just throwing blood everywhere. And I said, really? He said, oh, my God. You know, so when I saw the picture, I was like, oh, my God, the blood. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it, it, do, you, do you have the same high appreciation for? Uh... I do. I even have put it above Inglorious Bastards, I think. Oh, I do, too. Oh, oh, I love no. it. I think, yeah. you know what, he, it's like, you know, you go to Tarantino oh. movies for a lot of different reasons, but one is the dialogue and the yeah. t- sitting around and talking. Yes. I think he does it better in that, if that's what you're looking for. I also think Leonardo DiCaprio is awesome. Oh, yeah. Really well, Samuel Andy. Jackson. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean, everybody's great. Yeah, everybody's good. I mean, you're right, but though, to go back to your initial point, it is a black exploitation movie. Absolutely. And, yeah. uh, but and, and that guy, that is a violent scene. Uh, and, and obviously, Clinton Tarantino, as a kid in the 70s, watched a lot of black exploitation. Oh, yeah. Movies uh, and of course the great Jackie Brown, which is my favorite Quentin Tarantino movie of all time. No, you Way shake down your head for me. Oh my goodness! No, I, it's fine. I just I was just a little bored. Oh my! I like it. It's not my favorite. I just guys, could you just leave the room right now? Okay, <laughs> interview's over. <laughs> interview's over. That's it. Bam, so you go. Cut. So you go. You go. 
Inglorious Bastards one, Jackie Brown two. No, Jackie Brown one. Oh, Inglorious Bastards two, Django three. Am, okay. I, am I forgetting and any? Yeah, you're forgetting Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, I, I forgot it as soon as I saw it. What? I didn't like Reservoir Dogs. What well, about Reservoir up? Dogs is actually a remake of, a, of a, a Hong Kong film called City on Fire by Ringo Lam. Oh, yeah. Did you know that? I did, yeah. I've, I've seen all those. <laughs> These guys know more about movies. Even Tarantino didn't know that, and he made the movie. Oh, uh, I think he knew. No, he knew that. <laughs> all right, so, uh, so why am I looking forward so much to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I... I'm trying to figure this out myself. Well, I Why think you... part of it is because it's going against the grain of everything that's coming out this summer. Oh, that's that's number one. Well, how, would... I agree with that, but I would also say, I mean, how many times in this conversation about film of the late 60s come up? As, yeah. as, yeah. as Sergio said, it's the most important era of cinema, perhaps, at least in America, right? So who and better also... could do that than Quentin Tarantino? Yeah. And, and beyond, ex beyond black exploitation, exploitation, he's seen everything. I mean, he throws in references. He still, at least he, he, a lot of times he steals from things that you really got to dig and how the hell did he even see it? It wasn't even, there's not even a print around, you know? So a lot of people steal. He steals, he digs deep. And, yeah, and, 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 and then like, steals. And, no, but say, <laughs> I didn't even say steal because I, I, I think he's one of the best directors, if not working today. He's up there. Um, he just, he kind of like melds it all and then it's his own thing too. So I don't know. Well, who better to do late 60s? Well, Hollywood? yeah, it's like, Res not Reservoir I mean, when uh, Pulp Fiction came out, yeah. I had so many conversations with people who, to them, they thought was all original. And I said, everything in that movie he took from another picture. Yeah. Like the beginning of the movie, right? That's from The Killers. That's from Robert Cinemax's 1946 Fenoir, where you have the movie begins with these two hitmen, and they're having this very bland conversation about everything else. Uh, they go to a diner. Uh, you got eggs and bacon. Uh, well, we had we're out of bacon. We got eggs. And, but then they, later they go across to a building and kill a guy, Burt Lancaster. Yeah. And so well, that's the killers. Or when someone opens a briefcase and you don't see what it is, but it shines in their face. I said that's from um, Robert Aldrich's um, Mike Cameron film, Kiss Me Deadly. Where everybody has this great what's it, and you look in a box, a light comes out, you don't see it. it basically, it's supposed to be atomic energy, but you never see what's in the box. Yeah. It's just that somebody opens the box and the light comes out. Well, right, so when you go see a Jordan Peele movie, it's the same thing for you, like uh, us. For, did you see us? Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Did you just did you see? You haven't seen, seen us. Oh, you're a huge disadvantage. <laughs> yeah. This guy. Here's the thing about uh, Chris. You should know. He knows. He's seen every movie a million times before, like the last five years. He's got to catch up. But us, it, it, Jordan, it's a catalog of references to old movies. It got me to go back and watch The Shining. I think I told you we this. Did, we talked about The Shining. Yeah, yeah we yeah. talked about The Shining. Or like his first movie, I still think it's so overrated. Which was I think Us was much better. Wait, time out. You thought Us was better than Get Out? Oh, yeah. Because Get Out is nothing but the Stifford Wives. It's just the Stifford Wives. I think the Stifford Wives are... Get Out is we the greatest movie of the 21st century. No, at the old show! <laughs> at the old show! Greatest I, movie of the 21st century, no, Get Out. No. No. Not, not even close. What is better? Wind River. No, Wind River is <laughs> no. not better! Right, ben, now you leave. The interview is over. We're going to continue. <laughs> Ben, you leave. What's the greatest movie of the twenty oh first century? Oh gosh, I I'll have to think about it. Right, take I, your I time. I, I tell you, I, I okay. Other than Get Out, none. No, no. Um, um, I put Roma up there. Oh wow. Roma oh yeah, Roma's pretty good. Roma's yeah. amazing. <laughs> Roma's pretty good. Yeah. That's now we're talking about almost twenty years of movies. Yeah, I know. It's twenty. At the time I said it, yeah. it was twenty seventeen. So all right, we're still talking about almost. So I remember he was like, hey, "You can't." say that uh people would argue with me but uh, i really like get out a lot obviously all right so uh i'm looking forward uh to once upon a time in hollywood as well i guess i, I guess your point's well taken chris it, it, it's like a nostalgic movie uh about a time that was so important to me and, and sergio were the yeah, same generation I, I, I told my my younger friends and i said I was there. Yeah, I was <laughs> there. Know? I was there. Well, you were not literally there. Uh, in, I mean, I wasn't in, there like, in the mansion. Yeah, at the mansion. Together. But no, I was at that time when the movies and, uh, you know, I, I did a podcast with Eric Childress. Uh, we did something we call uh, Movie Madness, and we did a show about fathers. This was last year. And, um, and 
how your father influenced what you what you saw. And yeah. my father, you know, who was a cop, you know, he loved westerns. He loved westerns, so he would take me to see every western, James Bond movie, spy thriller. You know, he would take me all the time, and it didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter the rating. You know, he would have to take me to yeah, see. You had it. a good father, a very generous guy. I think what we should do is uh, after it comes out in July. I think it comes out August or July. July, July twenty sixth. Okay, well, you I will have seen it. Right well, we'll bring you both. We'll have a whole group discussion breaking yeah. down the movie uh, because by that, I'm I'm really hoping that I'm not disappointed to buy this movie you know i uh but i've been this is the one i've been looking forward to all. i will say i've never have you i've never been disappointed by a quentin tarantino film and as i'm saying that i'm thinking about i didn't love kill bill those movies i didn't love them but I, you know it's in their events i mean he makes a movie every so often he's the master it's a, there's gonna be there's gonna be something worthwhile so has he announced what his last movie will be i don't know no, i didn't no, know no, he was no, holding yeah. himself to 10 oh yeah and uh i thought this was the last movie but no. okay i'm wrong in that one Even all the right posters say the ninth the, film the, the ninth okay by the way you know what we haven't mentioned which I've gone back now. So I saw it in 70 millimeter at the music box, and I've now gone back and seen it twice. Hateful Eight is an excellent movie. That's the that's the one I like the least. Really? That's yeah. interesting. Why do you say it's excellent? I don't know. At, at the time when I first saw it, I was like, okay, you know, it's a, it, you're in a, a room the whole time, and, yeah. and why you shoot it in 70 millimeter was the bigger. But I go back. I don't know. The dialogue, the characters are so good. There's a guy. Walter Goggins, maybe. Is yeah, Walter Goggins. He's excellent. Bruce Dern's interesting. Every, I just, I, I think the, the the spatial relationships and the little how each guy comes together. Kurt Russell's awesome. I really like that. I, my here's my issue with Hateful Eight uh, is that I saw it at the music box on the big screen and I picked up maybe 50% of the dialogue. For some reason, I could not hear it. Mm -hmm. So I've been always saying to myself, I'm going to watch it again. Uh, I think that's on, what happened to me. I think I maybe, I don't know if I missed it or not, I can't, but I went back and I and I really appreciated it more. Well, the, there's something about movies that, that when they restore them and put them, bring them back to the music box, I've had a hard time hearing it. And not even a restoration, Dunkirk. Dunkirk was shown um, on the, uh, there was a big screen, 70 mil was a big deal. And I missed half the dialogue. I keep saying, I got to go back and watch it mm -hmm. on a smaller screen where I do the closed caption. Like a read, well, I do, that's how I do all movies. I'm telling you, I I am really looking forward. I mean, Christopher Nolan is shooting his new film right now called Tenant. Tenant. He's shooting it right now in Estonia. Uh, part part of his in shot Estonia. Mm. Uh, so I I, think, I know Robert Patterson is in it. Hmm. Uh, John David Washington. Uh, Denzel's son. Who was in Black yeah, Klansman, yeah. he's in it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got a huge budget. Of course, he won't say what it is, but it's a, some kind of spy thriller, uh, action spy thriller. But he's old school. I mean, he is old school. And um, when I look at Dunkirk, most of that stuff is on camera, the way mm -hmm. he used to do it. Mm-hmm. And um, he shot in 70 yeah. in IMAX. And, you know, I was talking about my father. He's like, he would have loved that picture. Yeah. Boy, he would have dug into that film. No, I, I, I'm going to watch. It's one of those movies I'm going to watch. And this leads to our final category. This is suggested by Dennis. Uh, I would have to say movies that I'm going to watch uh, on uh, on Netflix or down uh, you know this downloading uh, or I'll get vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, the mail through my Netflix. I still have the old DVD. I know Chris Lasseter. I still get those discs. Uh, I'll probably watch Dunkirk because I feel as though I missed it the first time. Mm -hmm. uh, what movies would you recommend uh, that people uh, watch just from their Netflix account or from their down uh, the streaming accounts? Go ahead. All right, I got. Two and one was you guys uh, jarred my memory talking about uh, Animal House and Blues Brothers. But there's a documentary about um, the National Lampoon, the magazine, with all the kind of all the mm. great comedians from the beginning of Saturday Night it's Live. It's called. Um, I think it's called Drunk Stupid. Yeah, Daddy I saw that two three years ago. It's great. It's, I'm not talking about the scripted acted one it's a it's actual no, documentary, documentary. Right? yeah okay. i've seen it two three years i ago. love it's awesome because all your com uh comedic heroes christopher guest john belushi yeah. came out of the uh national lampoon mm. uh so that was a documentary that kind of i I, it's I, awesome. I saw the film wait drunk stupid and fat Is no that... no sorry it's called uh, uh oh drunk, it's something along the lines of like and national lampoon drunk stupid stone stone Drunk, Stone, drunk. Dead. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. It's on Netflix now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like I said, I saw it about three years ago, and I I still have my own National Lampoons. Oh wow! National Lampoons still meant so much to me. 
And the director was there, and I brought some copies of them, including the National Lampoon High School Yearbook edition. And he saw it, and he said, oh, my God, hardly anyone has this anymore. Wow. And I said, yeah, because National Lampoon, I got it in a room, and I got all these. Because National Lampoon was it for me. It mm -hmm. was the funniest magazine. Now it's all politically incorrect and everything, but it was so... Yeah, yeah. And that documentary, he captures it. Yeah. He captures the humor, the people behind it. And they're geniuses. So this is on geniuses. Netflix right yeah. now. So okay. they're, they're, the guy, they're all from Harvard. They're all... And a lot, you know, so even the guys went on to The Simpsons. They went on a Saturday Night Live. I mean, it, 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 you, it's kind of a moment in time that basically was. Look, you could go back as like a... Rosetta Stone of the like, modern comedy. And what else would you? Uh, my other one, I just happened upon last weekend. Actually, I watched Bad Times at the El Royale on HBO. I think HBO releases a new movie every Saturday, and I watched that. I don't know who directed it, but it's uh, John, uh, it's um, it's John Hamm, and it's um, oh gosh, um, Jeff Bridges. It's, it's it's worth seeing. Did you watch it? Yeah, I saw it when it came out. So before it came out, it's it's really good. It's a, it's a it takes place in this. Cause, well, resort that's on the border between Nevada and California mm -hmm. in the 1960s. And it's about these different group of people who come to this hotel and what happens that night. Mm -hmm. And it's very complex. And it's a throwback, a bit of a throwback. Yeah, it's very complex. It's very long, but it's, it's very complex. Oh, Drew Goddard. That's who directed, Drew Goddard. And, and um, it's fascinating. Yeah, it's like absolutely it. fascinating. And the... The, the, there's an actress by the name of Carmen, I mean, Cynthia Erivo, mm -hmm. who is a British uh, Nigerian. She won the Grammy Award for Color Purple. Mm -hmm. And wow. she really steals this picture. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's she the black lady in it? Right. Yeah, she's, she's awesome. Dude. Phenomenal. And she is going to play Harriet Tubman Whoa. in this new film of Harriet that's coming out this fall. Can I mention one of the films I'm dying to see? Even though it's not a summer movie. What's that? I can't wait to see Ford versus Ferrari. Oh yeah, oh yeah! I saw that the previews awesome. for that. Yeah, with Matt Damon and Matt Damon. Uh, and I said, <laughs> talk about throwback again. Yeah, that's right. Said, straight out of Steve I, McQueen movies. No, I man. said, is this a Steve McQueen? Yeah, man. This is Steve McQueen and James Gardner. <laughs> yeah. I think it's James Mangold directing it, right? James I, I Mangold. actually really like that guy. Right. Yeah. He does some cool stuff. Ford versus who's the other guy? It's Matt Damon and, and oh, Christian, Christian Bale. Bale. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, Christian Bale's going to. But steal but the show. even when you see the poster, yeah, no, you can imagine Steve McQueen and James Gardner. It's like. This movies I saw at downtown Evanston. No, All right. no, here's the thing. It was supposed to come out this month, but Fox pushed it back to November because they said, we th I think we got something here. This could, be, this could be an Oscar contender. Wow. Okay, so they're holding it off until right. Oscar season. All right, now here's a movie that I just saw on Netflix, and I don't know if you guys saw it, but I really got to get your opinion on this one. I mean, this wasn't even a category when this conversation began. And that is this. I saw Martin Scorsese's latest, quote-unquote, documentary, which is about... Um, Bob Dylan? Yeah, Bob, D Bob Dylan. Have you seen, either one of you seen this? Rolling Thunder. Movie. All right. Um, Oh, I probably shouldn't. I should make you watch it. And then the next time you come on in this movie, he, it's a straight up documentary. And then in the middle of it, he starts sneaking in fictitious stuff. So he like creates characters that didn't exist. Uh, and they do interviews uh, and you think that they're legitimate interviews of people who observed the Rolling Thunder tour, which is tour that Bob Dylan went on in the mid seventies. And then it turns out they're just made up characters like, actor buddies of uh of scorsese and I i'm having a hard time with that one gentlemen do they say why they do it is it a device for some purpose or what he, i've never i've not seen scorsese explain why he did it so i don't i can't answer that oh, question that's real weird but I, I will hold it off i urge but that other than that I mean, it's it's a good flick if you're in a dylan if you're in a dylan in any way i urge mm -hmm. absolutely yeah. everyone what about uh what about the irishman that's at, coming at the end of the year. At, yeah, at the end of the year. Uh, that's a big one. That's probably up yeah. there with me with... Uh, well, wait, who, that's Scorsese. Netflix. The that's Irishman. Netflix. Oh, that's about Whitey Bulger, right? No, uh, no, 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 no. No, what, what's the Irishman about? No, it's it's De Niro and Pacino and Scorsese's new film. It's, it's for Netflix. But it's going to be released theatrically. Yeah. And they said they're going to give it the biggest theatrical release of any movie. But time out. Isn't, is it, it, it's about a gangster. A, it is a gangster. I don't know if it's it it, Whitey Bulger. It's a gangster per film, se. but it's not about Whitey Bulger. Oh, okay, all right. I thought it was Whitey Bulger. And also, they're doing the de aging process because it's over a period of time. Mm -hmm. So they're going to de age 
De Niro and Pacino, and then what do you mean de age? They're gonna start as old and de-aged them. So there's gonna be is it gonna be oh, oh digitally? digitally? Yeah, so to make gonna, them look younger. So they're gonna be it's gonna be Al Pacino being uh, being Al Pacino, playing the character, but he'll look different because of the he, computer. Supposed to look like Al Pacino when he's young. Hopefully, oh, he my. talks like young Al Pacino Pacino, from right. Dog Day. By the way, great movie. I have to tell you this. I rented Dog Day Afternoon the other uh, about two months ago. I no. couldn't believe. How great that movie is! Never seen it before. No, I see. I saw it when it came out. Yeah, can't go wrong with Sidney Lumet. No, I I watch that movie once a year. I love it. It is. uh, Tell you what, it stands the test of time. Attica. 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 How about about this trivia? I don't even know how to say his name. Is it John Cazale? John. Yeah. Yeah. Cazale. What was he in? Five movies before he passed away of cancer. Name will go. The conversation. Wow. Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah. Deer Hunter. Yeah. Godfather 1 and 2. Yeah, Dang. Get that man a sandwich or something. But all nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Every movie he was in. Wait, he was in The Conversation? I don't remember him in The Conversation. Yeah, he's, uh, what do they call him? Uh, he's, he's his partner. He's uh, yeah. uh, uh, Oh, he's the partner of Gene Hackman? Yeah, Gene yeah. Hackman's partner. He always takes the Lord's name in vain. They get in a little argument while they're working. And oh, yeah. who that... was he dating? Come Meryl on. Street. Doing those movies. Meryl, Meryl Streep. Yeah. I think they were married. No, they weren't married. Uh, Dennis, were, were they married? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Why did you bring me in on that one? <laughs> <laughs> of all and the also, things I could have talked about, you asked me about Meryl Streep. Awesome. Uh, he plays Sal in Dog Day Afternoon. Yeah, awesome. he is so good. And, so good. and who, um, and for and Netflix, for me, is The Black Godfather, which oh, is yeah. Reggie Hilton's documentary about uh, uh, Clarence Avant. Yes. Is that out who, yet? Oh, it's been, it's been okay. I, I got to see that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's great because he is, I never really knew who he was until you see this picture. I thought he was a record producer, but he was that, but he was a whole lot more. He was a go-betweener, a deal maker. He actually made real deals, unlike Trump. Um, <laughs> and it's everybody he knew and was connected with so many people from the 1960s to the present day. It is amazing. There is one scene, this is showing his power. There's one scene in the movie where um, CBS, somebody comes up with a, with a Michael Jackson E.T. album. And, and Universal is upset and everybody's upset, right? And there are lawsuits flying around about this thing. Uh, so they have a big meeting in a board board meeting. So you have Michael Jackson's people, you have CBS's people, you have Universal's people, you have Spielberg's people, and there in the middle is Curry Savant. And somebody asked, um, we, we, you got all these representatives, who does Clarence Avant represent? And he said, Clarence Avant represents everybody. <laughs> I have to see. I this might story. watch that tonight. I'm gonna, well, yeah. You have to the, watch is it that tonight. The first documentary that Reginald Hudlin had done, or yeah, oh, first wow. one he's done. Yeah. Right. I didn't even know he made it. This is this is really sick. I didn't know until a month ago he announced that he had, he had spent the last few years working on this documentary about yeah. Curtis Savant. He is one of the most fascinating people you ever seen, um, and he's the last of a legend. Because you don't have deal makers, people in the business anymore like that, who's well connected, who knows everybody, who can get deals done. And a lot of it he did without being paid. He gets his money elsewhere. Uh, but it's an amazing, and you see the power he had. All right, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. That is a movie uh, worth, you can uh, watch it at Netflix right now. And uh, I knew this would go, this conversation could probably go on for another two hours. But we're going to hey, close I got an it idea. down. Well, before that? we close it down, you guys talked about the summer movies. I went to imdb.com and they listed the 50 greatest summer movies. We'll do the top 10. Okay, All right, go ahead. Them off. All right. A lot of them you guys talked about. Okay, so, right, uh, here we go. Play, this play the music. There you go. All right, number 10. I've never heard of this one. Monsieur Hulot's Holiday. He said that. Oh, he said boy, it. said it. He oh, said it. You it just sounded way that's different. one on IMDb. That's 10. Oh, number 10. Wow. Oh, wow. Oh, man. <laughs> I presented it as obscure. Yeah, look at the brain on Brad. <laughs> number 9, 1957's 12 Angry Men. Oh, 12. I, oh, so see, now we're talking about movies that came out in the summer. Sidney Lumet. Lumet. Okay, yeah. right. Is it Lumet or Lumet? Lumet. Lumet. Oh, Lumet. Okay. Go Get on. it right. And by the yeah, way, Cindy Lumet wrote the best book on filmmaking That's a good book. ever written. Yeah, Making Pictures, I yeah. think it's called. I, yeah. it. I just reread it. Number eight came out in 1973 American Graffiti. Yeah, man, love American Graffiti. Love it. Yeah. Number seven, Sergio mentioned it, 1983 National Lampoon's Vacation. 
Well, no, 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 at the Animal House. house. Yeah. But yeah, shows you awesome. how much I'm paying attention. <laughs> Good thing you're doing the interview. Also, uh, John Hughes wrote that uh, out of a, a story from the story's really the, the story's really funny. Yeah. Number six, funny 1975's Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, yeah, great flick. Love Dog Day Afternoon. Attica. 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 <laughs> Number five came out in 1954, Rear Window. Oh, great movie. Oh, Rear Window. Okay. Come on. I didn't, who would put that as a summer movie? Well, it's because you guys. in the summer. Okay. It's, 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 uh, my definition's pure. Movies are set in the summer. Yeah. And then yeah. ultra pure is Jaws, where it's about the summer. Yeah, and and, and yeah, in which case, none of these movies qualify. <laughs> Let's re-record it all. <laughs> Number four, 1993's. Hey, this is my favorite summer movie, personally. No one asked me, but Dazed and Confused. Ooh. Oh, Dazed and Confused, man. I'm not a fan of Dazed really? and Confused. Oh, that's a classic. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Number three, 1989's Do the Right Thing. Sure. Oh, yeah, man. Well, that actually is. Came out in summer. And in summer. Uh, Number two and one, Chris Buddy, man. You know your movies, sir. Number two, Stand By Me, 1986. Wow. Okay. And number yeah. one, what do you Summer think School. No. By the way, uh, if you're going to put American Graffiti, I always say this. You have to have American Graffiti slash Cooley High. Uh, there, Cooley High was a movie that came out in 1975, I want to say. So you're talking about mm-hmm. middle of the 70s. Uh, is it, It's... I don't know if it but came out. But it takes place in the summer. It takes place a lot of it during the winter. Yeah, I guess so. But they're running through Lincoln Park. I just have these memories of them running through Lincoln Park. So I always think of them in the same movie. Hmm. You know, it's like the white uh, nostalgia movie and the black nostalgia movie. And they came out very closely. So I think anytime you say, it's sort of like if you're rating great basketball players, anytime you say Magic Johnson, you got to say Larry Bird. You get what I'm saying? So anyway, that's my thought. All right, that's a good list. I got to give you some kind of award for having named four of the movies on the list. I think you named three of the movies on the list. Give them a mint. Have them. <laughs> don't say we don't give stuff to our guests. We're going to bring them back. I love this segment, man. These two movie geeks know their movie stuff. We're going to have you come back in July to talk about uh, Tarantino, and then you'll be promoting the hell out of, of Black, um, Harvest. Black Harvest Film Festival. And uh, you'll be already working on your next documentary. All right. So uh, great pleasure to have Chris Buddy and Sergio Mims on for a Ben Jarofsky bonus hour. Take care, everybody. Hey, how been, man? Hey, man, he's car. You know Wooderson? Oh. How's it going, man? Hey. Pretty good. How's it going with you? Say, so, hey, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. It'd be a lot cooler if you did.